0: Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman and today I'm visiting with Kevin Rodriguez from the Matza Project. The Matza Project introduces, in their words, carefully made, artfully packaged, legitimately scrumptious matzah to a stale, outdated corner of the marketplace. After selling out their first batch in a single day, they moved out of their tiny commissary kitchen and into a larger kosher bakery in Brooklyn to take their unleavened show on the road. In the past few months, the matzo project has been embraced by the cracker-eating big shots at the James Beard House, Balabusta Soho, and the Conan O'Brien Green Room. And they've even collaborated on a cinnamon matzo ice cream flavor with fellow Brooklyn upstart Ample Hills Creamery. While traditional matzah currently languishes in the ethnic food section, their hope is to help it claim its rightful spot in the Cracker aisle, right next to the rosemary pita chips and the gargonzola fig toast. And according to their website, their moms think it's great. Welcome, Kevin.
1: Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me.
0: Delighted to have you visit with us today. So why a new take on matzah and how did it all come about?
1: Well... I think it's something that's probably a lot of people would agree is, is long overdue, um, but this came about. Um, Ashley and I were having lunch one day about a year and a half ago, in uh, I guess spring of 2015 now, and um, you know we were talking about a few different things, and she's had this idea floating around. She she's self described the idea man. And she has lots of ideas that she shares with lots of friends. But this particular one had been floating around in her head for a really long time, maybe maybe 20 years. And um, and we've been friends, actually, longer than that since we were teenagers. So we were talking, and she said, you know, there's that matzo thing, and no one's done this, and I don't know, you know, this idea. And, uh, you know, I actually sort of took her up on it, and a couple of days later, I found myself in my kitchen with some flour and water, and, you know, I had been looking for a change, and so I thought, what what could be simpler than flour and water? And I started to explore that and actually found that there's a lot of complexity in flour and water. And so, you know, there was this really this sort of beauty and, and simplicity, but then um, I started to find the, the beauty and the complexity of, of different protein levels of flour, and Gluten levels and how you you know it's in exercise in proportion and I really start to explore that and um, here we are a year and a half later.
0: Were you um, a self-described foodie before this, or did you just sort of take a shot at going into the kitchen and working on this?
1: Yeah, I would I would say that I definitely um, as an eater and um, and have interest. In that, um, but I, I didn't. I don't have a, a culinary background, um, but I definitely like to make things and explore things. But I wouldn't describe myself as a great cook on any on any level, um, except maybe now I can make some matzah,
0: <laughs> which I gather is not an easy task. And what was it like to take on the, if I may call it, the reimagining of matzah? I mean, how hard was it?
1: a really good question. It's, you know, uh, depending on what area we're looking at, I guess that some of the challenges actually came around um, finding equipment because, you know, modern baking equipment is so efficient and cooks things so evenly. And masa, just by the nature of being sort of an ancient something that's been baked for so long in i guess inefficient ovens where you get the charring and you get this sort of uneven way of cooking it's really hard to replicate that mm-hmm. in machines that are designed to you know bake a perfect oreo or bake a perfect cake or something along those lines so that was actually a challenge with finding ovens that could that could do it in a way that we were trying to um, trying to do just physically <laughs>
0: I was kind of fascinated. I watched a little video clip on your website, and I wasn't sure if this was in the early stages that you were running the dough through what I've used to make pasta—you know, the crank Italian crank machine. Yeah, um, and, and then it seemed like you moved on to the to other manufacturing, if we can call it that, um, machines um, to. I guess the volume you have to produce requires that. And I wondered um, how that all came about and how much innovation you had to put into this.
1: Yeah, so that's really, actually really funny because I, I, did, I did use a, a pizza, a, a pasta roller uh, because it allowed me to roll out the dough evenly. Uh, you can roll it out by hand, but, uh, you know, with, a, with a, uh, just a regular wooden roller, and I guess traditionally that's what you would do piece by piece. Um, I used the pasta roller because it was quick and I could. Try, I was trying to gain some sort of efficiency. And you're right, it's not something that you can do uh, because it goes directly into the oven. You're mixing the flour and water and very quickly putting it into the oven. It's not sitting the way that you would with, with bread or even other kinds of crackers where they, they'll have some leavening agent or sugar or even dairy and some sorts of crackers. So we were trying to work quickly, and it's difficult to scale. You have to do everything in a really small batch because the flour has to be worked through the system and into the oven quickly.
0: Is it 18 minutes into the oven? Is that the—
1: That's the Mm traditional—for right? kosher, for Passover matzo, it's 18 minutes so that any yeast that's in the air doesn't start to affect the mixture of flour and water, and cause it to rise.
0: So that's also a challenge for you.
1: That is a challenge, and now we're now actually. It was a year ago today that we first uh, went into a larger test kitchen, a larger oven, um, and scaled up our recipe, and and were able to move it through the system from the time the flour and water mix, move a larger amount through the system and into the oven quickly and it was a year ago today and it's really exciting because this week right now we're sending out our first full production run to stores wow. so we're there it's, on it's it's on trucks and on its way out right now to stores all over the Northeast
0: that's very exciting and do you have a mentor do you have somebody who's helping you with this or are you really just tackling all of this the two of you
1: uh, well, it's the two of us. I would say the mentors along the way have been people that we've encountered in the food industry and in the specialty food association, and it could be anyone from uh, someone who, who's really knowledgeable about equipment and baking, and someone else who has helped us through with challenges around packaging. Um, there have been so many people that, even the you know at the bakery the the. The guys who are out there every day, physically doing these things, we're learning so much from from, that, from everyone. Really, it's been it's actually been pretty amazing. Just and and also other other food vendors and other people who are doing things in uh, in the in the area of Jewish foods and you know just the sort of community that we didn't anticipate ha- has. Either been there and we didn't see it, or it's sort of sprouted up around, and we feel, um, you know, this sort of a food community and a, and a Jewish community, and I guess where the two meet, you know, in terms of um, of Jewish foods and, and culture, there are a lot of people doing really amazing things around that, just trying to explore Jewish identity, tradition, help people connect to to their Jewish culture, and. And in a way, I guess that's what our product sort of does. It it, it brings something that people have a relationship with already, but it makes it—it it connects it to, to their life in a way that maybe they didn't feel connected to before.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you that because you're located in Brooklyn, and it seems that there are really a lot of young Jewish food purveyors in that area um, who are— reimagining and sort of taking the roots of Jewish food and bringing them into the 21st century um, and creating artisanal Jewish foods. Um, it's like a movement. Do you guys work together or collaborate, get together we're, and you, hash things out?
1: We're just actually, we're, we've just been talking about that. We, we've all, we're all aware of each other and I know um, my business partner is friends with a lot like Liz and Jeff at Filteria. Mm-hmm. And we you know we met the ladies from Seed and Mill who make these incredible halibut products they sell over in Chelsea Market. We met them last year. Um, uh, Yoav, who's over in San Francisco, who does Hello Mazel, mm-hmm. the website, and, and the kitchen. Um, Dania Schultz, who does the pop-up Shabbat and Arc, who's also about connecting people. And so yeah we're we're trying to put something together. We can all sit down and just see how how we can work together more because it it is really exciting, I think what what everybody's doing.
0: yeah, uh, we've had a couple of the folks that you mentioned have been on the podcast a while back, and it's just it's really wonderful to see all of this sort of getting traction. I know that you're hoping that this matzo will become a pantry staple, and how sounds like that's going well if trucks are driving product into markets at the moment
1: we we hope so
0: and yeah you've sort of done a little bit of a twist as well on matzah can you talk a little bit about some of the other flavors i know you've added it to ice cream as a partnership um and you've got chocolate covered pieces
1: uh-huh uh, what else yeah. yeah well we so we're doing we're doing a, a plane and then we are doing an everything, which has a seasoned like an everything bagel. Mm-hmm. And we we're doing masa full sheets, but we're also doing masa chips in a bag, like a pita chip bag. So the masa chips also come in a cinnamon sugar flavor. And um, and that's actually what we used when we did the chocolate covered last year, and we did a collaboration with Ample Hills, where they ground up pieces of that into. Um, into a salted honey ice cream and made the land of milk and honey in the springtime.
0: Which, again, we we're thrilled. <laughs> it, it was um, mouthwateringly good when I was watching um, somebody do a taste test of that. It looked fabulous. Do you have a favorite flavor? Uh,
1: you, you know, I really like, well, I really like the cinnamon sugar, but I have to say, I'm probably, I would say, plain. And the reason I do is because. This is, this acts as a really good vehicle for anything that people are putting on it. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because when we went to the Fancy Food Show last summer, a lot of companies were interested in our product to use for their demos because it's not complicated like a cracker, so it doesn't detract from whatever's on top of it, but it's also not as plain as a water cracker would be. So it's got this kind of pop to it that really you know, whatever somebody puts on it, it really complements that and supports that. And I, I think that's probably my – I'm sort of a vanilla guy when it comes to that. So I would probably say the salted. Those are my favorites.
0: I'd be with you on that myself because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing better than cottage cheese with plain matzah in my book. <laughs> and if yours supports the weight of the cottage cheese, that's even better. Um, yes. And. Before you leave, I have to ask you one somewhat unrelated question. Um, your business partner, who I gather, Ashley, um, that you guys met at camp, at Jewish summer camp? Yes.
1: Uh, which, camp, camp Blue Star in North Carolina.
0: Which is a great story. And her other taking, undertaking is the Gowanus Royal Palms Shuffleboard. That's yes?
1: Right. Yeah, and soon, soon to be in Chicago as well. They're expanding.
0: Wow. You're you're both just bringing back all sorts of uh, retro stuff in a new way. Um, I mean, who thought that shuffleboard would come back into vogue?
1: You know, I think there are these kinds of things that, like you were mentioning, the the other companies, the Jewish companies that are doing food products, and even with the Shuffleboard Club, I think that there's there's a lot to be said for these categories and these areas of our lives where we have an emotional connection because it's part of our Tradition, or maybe we, you know, played shuffleboard when we visited our grandparents, or, um, you know, we ate these foods when we were with our families, and that's an area that's really been underserved. I think an area of, you could say, an area of the grocery store, but I would say an area of our culture mm-hmm. um, that just hasn't been a real hot spot, and, you know, things have just sort of been pushed aside, and and I feel like there's been a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of attention paid to it, so it's really been sort of ripe for innovation. I know that when I would go to the grocery store, especially around Passover, I'd look around and I'd see, you know, I'd see foods that were, you know, the the chocolate covered was vegetable oil and the soup had, you know, yellow number five, or it had artificial flavor. And, you know, and it's just not the way that I eat. And I know a lot of my peers, you know, we, we, like we we get the Maxwell House Haggadah at Passover and Mm -hmm. I love that, but I'm not going to go out and have a cup of instant coffee because I just don't live that way you know we're at, we're in a generation where we're grinding our beans and we're you know we're just there's a quality level for food that I think in the last 10 or 15 years is has really the bar has been raised so much and I think now making that connection between our culture and the quality you know sort of our traditions meeting our lifestyle is is something that people really want wanted without realizing it. So I think now that it's happening, they're getting really excited. And we're just, you know, we're so excited to be part of that.
0: Yeah, I think that the Jewish food scene is just amazing. Um, What's happening in terms of restaurants and cookbooks and products um, that, you know, again, the gefilteria is a really great example of that. Who thought you could take a, you know, a product that everybody thought belonged in a jar and make it right. fresh again and, and, and speaks to the way that we like to eat um, and the um, yeah. and that innovation. So um, you will be here at the Yiddish Book Center uh, with the Matzah Project on April 2nd in conjunction with photographer Marissa Scheinfeld, who will be here to talk about her recently published book, The Borscht Belt, Visiting the Remains of America's Jewish Resort. So we're looking for a... To welcoming you here,
1: thank you so much.
0: And until April second, um, for our listeners, uh, do they go to your website to find um, the product? What's the best way for them sure. to search it out?
1: So they can go to our website. They can find a store locator there, but for their state, they can also order right there on the website if they don't have a store near them yet.
0: Great. We can
1: we can send it in the mail. Yeah.
0: And the website is.
1: It's Motta Project com And it's matzah with an O, no H.
0: Yes. Um, well, again, thanks so much, not only for reimagining matzah, but for joining us here today. And so looking forward to welcoming you here to the Yiddish Book Center on April 2nd. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Take care.
1: You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexa Sewing, and until next time, be well and be healthy.